2: the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
3: Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the
0: only lineman on the radio. It's game time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show.
3: 92.9 FM ESPN. Tuesday, February 27, 2024. Welcome into the Gabe Coon Show. I am your host, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman Gabe Coon. I am on X, formerly known as Twitter, at g underscore coon seventy one. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Coon Show. That would be Connor Dunning on X at seat on the nine two nine. Connor, how's it hanging? What's up, man?
4: Not much, man. You get you getting prepped for Dune too? Of course I am. I uh-huh. watched Dune last night on four. S-
3: you sent me a review last night, and the review ripped. The review was phenomenal. It's let me Let me go let me go check out what this review said. The review said...
4: Oh, this is for Dune 2. Yeah.
3: <laughs> watching this in IMAX while, while visiting the Dune popcorn bucket is the correct way to watch. This is what the movies were made for. And I haven't seen any. The IMDb review has not come down. I know that you're prepped. You're hyped. But are we going to do top five sci-fi movies coming up on Friday? We should either do, do top
4: five sci-fi or,
3: or top five sequels. Sequels would be easier better to pick from it. better to pick from it. but regardless i might have to join you i may have to join you i won't bother you i promise bother me where when we're when we, when we watch it in imax although oh. it, is it sold out already it's, oh, it's, it's it's more than sold good out good luck good luck <laughs> <laughs> well anyway three hours to talk on the wake card to see a 92.9 like where <laughs> espn and yours truly i want to open on the take olympics coming back to the grizzlies oh my gosh some of the things i read out there on social media, in the media in general, about the Grizzlies and that nasty performance they put on last night. 111 to 86. They lost to the Nets. Can we calm the hell down? This is a 20 and 38 team, but I'll go through some of the takes and why it just needs to just relax, please. I honestly thought losing to the Nets last night, Connor, overwhelming positive. Overwhelming positive. That's a team that is uh, that is eighth from the bottom. You're seventh from the bottom right now. We're six tied for six from the bottom. They gained a game on you. That's good, it's a good thing, <laughs> like, that should not be viewed as a bad thing when you're when you're talking about a lottery pick that is likely your your biggest asset heading into this offseason. Just calm down, everybody relax, but we'll talk about that also penny hardaway'll we'll, we'll talk about just about everything he said at his radio show yesterday, but I, I thought it was interesting. Seven players, seven players showed up, most of the starters uh and 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 really you know the guys that come off the bench most notably um they were they were at the Penny Hardaway radio show, and Penny says, you know, this shows good team chemistry. We're finally coming along. I don't know how much I'm going to buy into that, but I think it's a fine sign. It's a fine sign. If you want to paint it that way, Penny, go ahead and paint it that way. It is what it is, but they have three games left in the year. We'll see what they're able to do with those games before they head into the American Athletic Conference Tournament. We have some NFL to discuss today as uh, the the Combine will get started coming up on the 29th here in two days. But, and that's the first day of, like, you know, skills and drills, guys out there in, in spandex running and, and doing their drills. Um, but we have, like, most of the GMs, coaches, everybody stepping up to the podium and and doing their pressers. So there's been a lot sort of talked about. And I think most notably we're going to have to talk about Ryan Poles, who is the GM for the Bears, talking about Justin Fields versus Caleb Williams. And what will he do with Justin Fields if they do draft Caleb Williams, which I think is the most likely outcome here, um, he did say he wants to do right by Justin Fields, so that is pretty telling, and he also said that the phone has not stopped ringing, so that's telling as well. There's a lot of takers out there for Justin Fields, and maybe for the number one overall pick, maybe that's where some of these uh, some of these uh, calls are coming from, but we'll discuss that at length. Um, we we'll get to small talk at 5.50, the Blitz at 6.30. In the Blitz, we have some uh, golf to talk about. John Rahm apparently is being ghosted by Tiger Woods. That's fun. And then Memphis Athletics announced that it hired an uh, IL general manager, which I think is an overwhelming positive for that athletic department as we get into the changing days of college athletics. As far as guests are concerned, Jeff Calkins from the Daily Memphian and the Jeff Calkins Show at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, as is customary. My guy, we have the On the Bluff podcast for Bluff City Media. You can check that out on uh, uh, Spotify. On uh, um, You can check that out on Apple, full-length video version on YouTube. But Christian Fowler will join from Bluff City Media at 6 o'clock. We'll talk a little bit of NFL Combine and then get into a little bit of Tigers basketball and the Malcolm Dandridge situation. Now, yesterday, I didn't watch much of the game. I'm not going to act like I did. I think down the stretch of the season, there's 24 games left. There's not much to watch this Grizzlies team for. You just want to see the development of G.G. Jackson, of Vince Williams Jr. You want to see if Jaron Jackson Jr. will continue his upward trajectory as an offensive player. We didn't see any of that last night. And sometimes when a team is fighting their ass off the way this team has been fighting their ass off every single night, you have a stinker. And that's what you saw last night from the Grizzlies, 111 to eighty six. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., 2-for-12 from the field. G.G. Jackson, 1-for-13 from the field. They combined for a swift 3-for-25 from the field. Uh, You know, uh, you just keep going down the list here. Uh, Luke Kennard was actually solid. He was 2-for-3 from the field, 2-for-3 from three-point land, but there's not much he can do. Uh, Jake Laravia, I thought, played some fine minutes, but it's Jake Laravia. There's going to be shameless minutes. You have to get ready for them. But some of the takes that came out of last night were absolutely heinous and ridiculous. The Fire Jenkins crowd is back, Connor. How do we feel about this? The Fire Jenkins crowd is back because he mismanaged a game, two games, out of the All-Star break with a a team that is just completely decimated and completely out of sorts. You, you have nothing to play for. You have nothing to play for. The only thing they're playing for right now is to get better positioning in the uh, NBA draft, to get a better pick come NBA draft time, that lottery pick that is likely their biggest asset heading into this offseason. And losing a game like this to a team that could potentially catch you in that category is a good thing. I don't care about Taylor Jenkins and the rotations he's throwing out there and the schemes he's throwing out there. Know what I care about from Taylor Jenkins? Play G.G. Jackson a lot. Play Vince Williams Jr. a lot. Play Jaron Jackson Jr. a lot. Let them get their shots. Let them get some live action. That's all I really care about. And if you accomplish that, that is all I want from Taylor Jenkins. Now, we also had Jaron Jackson Jr. I saw this take out there. He is a four on a winning Grizzlies team, on a championship Grizzlies team. Wait, you're talking about the all-star defensive player of the year who's 24 years of age, who's 6'11", 250, who has scored at will. One of the best ISO scorers in the NBA this year. He's a four on a winning Grizzlies team? I mean, excuse my question, but are you high?
4: When you say four, you mean fourth option. Fourth option. Okay.
3: Are you high? What are you talking about? He has one bad game when he shows up, and people talk about his rebounding. Who Yes, I want him to rebound better, but it's very clearly written, Connor, that going into this offseason, having offloaded Steven Adams, having offloaded Xavier Tillman, they're going to go find a five, right? They're going to go find probably some depth at the five to play alongside Jaron Jackson Jr., so he does not have to rebound. He is a guy. It's clear what he is at this point. He is a walking mismatch, and he's one of the best defense players in the league. At some point, I think there needs to be an acceptance. That's enough. <laughs> I think most people have accepted that, but that reared its ugly head. Now, the other one, G.G. Jackson, are you serious? Is G.G. You know, Jackson It all wore off? All that the beginner's luck, all that fun we were having at wore off. He was one for 13-0 oh, for six from three. Are you telling me he hasn't built up enough good energy from, from the fan base that he can't have one off night? Well, when you look at what he's done, uh, let's see, in the past eight games, and this was the eighth game in that stretch, 18 points, 16 points, 27 points, 16 points, 20 points, 27 points, 11 points, and then he had six on one for 13 shooting last night. It was his worst game by far in the entire stretch. But you just relax. This is a guy who is 19 years old. He's shown that he can develop. He's shown that he can get involved with his offense. He's shown that he gives effort on the defensive end. Let him develop. In due time, we will see more consistency from him. But I think we've seen plenty of consistency already. But it is kind of strange, two games out of the All-Star break, in a game against a Nets team that, honestly, going into the night, I I said going into the night it would be a pretty positive one to lose. It's like this is a good one to lose because this is a team that's chasing you to the bottom. They lose and everybody loses their mind because you think it's a winnable game. I don't care about wins and losses. I just don't.
4: No, it's... Last night, they stunk, you know, and it's going to happen every once in a while. Jaron just didn't have it. Even our our guy, Vince Williams Jr., didn't have it. Gigi Jackson certainly didn't have it. The only player who really showed up ready to go was Lamar Stevens. He had a great game, 8-9, 17, 6-2. I'm still really intrigued about if he could stick around this Grizzlies team, and I've said he could be a potential Conchar replacement if they decided to move off of him. No, last night was a 19-year-old Gigi Jackson just looking like a 19-year-old, and then you had a mostly G League 10-day guy roster lose to an NBA roster. The Nets are not very good, and to be quite honest, they didn't even play well last night. It was a horrific game to watch from start to finish. It was not very fun to watch. Nobody really felt like they wanted to be there, and that's just going to happen every once in a while with this Grizzlies roster in the back half of this season. But to try to take... Anything away from this game that is serious nasty work is, what it is, is nasty business. And I don't understand what you're doing to yourself. All you're doing is stressing yourself out if you're yelling at the Grizzlies TV screen right now during these games. We are watching for the development of these young guys. Last night was not a positive step forward. It also wasn't some huge negative. They had a bad game. It's going to happen. It doesn't mean you got to fire Jenkins. It doesn't mean that Gigi Jackson's going to end up being a bust. It doesn't mean that Jaron Jackson Jr. hasn't been awesome this season. Everybody just take a deep breath. Relax. It's going to be okay. It's gonna be okay. All right, I promise you, they aren't gonna look that bad every single night. It was a terrible game from the Grizzlies last night. No way around it, but it's one that you can just throw in the trash and move forward. And to your point, it's kind of a good thing to be lost. It's not even a horrible loss. It makes it helps you. It helps you ultimately in the NBA draft lottery. You're six from the bottom right now. This stupid Nets team did you a favor. You were six. You're six from the bottom. You could have been
3: seven from the bottom or eight from the bottom, depending on how last night all went. And you lost. And now you're six from the bottom, and you have a two game cushion between you and the Nets and the Raptors.
4: Good. Just using good using games right now I, with this roster as confirmation bias for your negative takes on the Grizzlies is. Silly, it it's is. silly.
3: We, I mean, when this team's full strength, and you start discussing Taylor Jenkins and how he's deploying his rotations and and that's playing what, guys. That's then, what then we I can didn't have understand. a real discussion. I
4: saw people talking about right, who the hell did you want him to play? <laughs> 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 he didn't have Zebos in on the bench. not right? It's worried, not like he could have thrown if you're in job about
3: Jake Laravia minutes. <laughs> I, it, 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 Connor, can we both raise our hand and say we were we we're right here telling you. Jake Laravia was a nineteenth overall pick a year ago. They're going to try to get everything they can out of him before they decide if he's going to be on this roster going forward or not. And this is the perfect time. He to was do better it.
4: than most guys. He wasn't very good. He was better than most. They were terrible last night. All right. It's fine. Sometimes you just turn on the screen and you watch your team and you go, "Damn, they ain't got it tonight." And last night was one of those times where you went, "Damn, they ain't got to 40 it." I am gonna put Dune four K in and enjoy yeah. the rest of my night.
3: Yes, exactly. It's not that complicated. It's not that complicated. But again. I was, that was the game last night that I kind of wanted them to lose. I really did want them to lose because when you look at this offseason and the flexibility that, that they need to have around using that draft asset, using that draft pick, you want it to be as high as humanly possible. And you have better odds if it keeps raising up. Now, I'm not going to lose sleep if they win games and drop to the 8th. Uh, worst team in the NBA either, but losing a game, I don't know how you view that as some negative in the grand scheme of what the Grizzlies can accomplish this off season using that pick. That is their best asset. Start understanding that and treating it as such. Now, maybe down the stretch of the season, we'll see Desmond Bain. He'll make a cameo. Maybe we'll see a Marcus Smart cameo. Maybe we'll see a Brandon Clark cameo. But those guys, I still don't want playing long, extended minutes because they're coming off injuries, and you need to plan everything around this offseason going into 2024-25. That season is the one you need to circle as this is the important one. This one right now, exit out. It's gone. Nothing to worry about. Nothing to see here. Taylor Jenkins is not losing his job based on having a starting lineup that has to have Luke Kennard as the main ball handler. There's nothing that the the Grizzlies front office is not going to look at him in some negative way based on how he's managing this particular roster and set of circumstances. So just let it all hang out. Say screw it. If you watch them, you watch them for fun. If they don't have it that night, you can tune into something else. But that's what this Grizzlies season is.
4: Yeah, and that's why – last night you just throw it mostly in the trash but the intriguing thing is lamar stevens i do think that he seemingly is for real i don't know at what level that is um he's certainly a dog and he comes to play every single night and he's been really efficient in the mid-range yep. game which i find interesting he's
3: got a little turnaround he's game. got a
4: little turnaround game he crashes the board really hard and he's a he's a solid defender so i i the biggest thing i took away from last night was oh lamar stevens I don't understand everybody walking away with these huge takes about the Grizzlies as a whole. I, literally, the only thing I walked away from was, well, oh, you, you... Jake wasn't terrible. That's a step in the right direction. And Gigi didn't have it. He got shot happy. Wasn't moving the ball as much. He got kind of burned defensively. It's going to happen to a 19-year-old. Doesn't really matter. I'm not worried at all about Jaron Jackson Jr. because he's been tremendous this year. He had a down game, still got to the free throw line, stayed aggressive. It's not like he just wasn't trying. A lot of people have said, well, the effort was terrible. I don't I don't know. When I was watching the game, it, to me, it didn't seem like the effort was terrible. I just think they didn't have it. They are not a very good offensive team right now. They're pretty good defensively. They still held them to 111 points. The Nets stink. I can take that away from that game, too. They should have buried the Grizzlies last night. They kind of did, but they should have really buried them. It's just just throw it in the trash and move on. Throw it in the trash and move on. Helped, you, helped your draft pick. Go look at the mock drafts. Yes. Go look at the mock drafts.
3: I tried to help you on Friday with that, too, a little primer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's where we're at. Just, just spend your time on worrying about next next season. Um, this season is just, quite frankly, one for getting Gigi, Vince, Jaron, Jake LaRavia even, some minutes to see what next year's going to look like. It's that simple. That's simple. Now, elsewhere in the NBA last night, did you see the end of that Pistons and Knicks game? That was disgusting. <laughs> I certainly that did. That was absolutely disgusting. Yes. And Monty Williams, he's had a really bad year. We know that the Pistons are 8 49 and they have struggled, but they lost to the Knicks. And I, when I say they lost to the Knicks, you, you say, okay, of course they were going to lose to the Knicks. But they had a 111 to 110 lead going into the final 37 seconds of that game. And the Knicks had one final possession. It was just insane. The amount of turnovers and loose balls that got picked up. Well, it was crazy. It ended with Josh Hart getting an and one to go win the game for the Knicks. But on the way there, there was a loose ball that was picked up by Ossar Thompson, and he was taken out. I mean, absolutely positive by Jalen Brunson. Taken out in every way. Like, there's no way you could not call a foul in that situation. Now, I understand it's the Pistons, and they stink, and you're not going to give them uh, as much a leeway with calls as you normally would. But Asar Thompson got there and got taken out. Ball ends up in the hands of Josh Hart from Jalen Brunson. They win the ball game. Now, after the fact, you had the referee and the pool report saying Asar Thompson did possess the ball and he was taken out. It should have been a foul call. I can't stand that, though. I get so sick of that. And I know the Pistons aren't interested in winning games at this point, similar to the Grizzlies, except substantially worse. They're the worst team in the NBA. But that was disgusting. And Monty Williams stepped up to the podium and said, I understand what we've done this year, but at some point referees are going to have to call us fairly. I know we stink. I know we've been in a bad way. But Asar got absolutely assaulted on the final play of the game that led to a Josh Hart and one to win the game.
4: Yeah, it's a horrific blown call. It was one of those blown calls where...
3: It was It was similar. His, like, Dante the was NFL, the one that got him, wasn't it? It was yeah, Dante yes, DiVincenzo. Yes, but Jalen Bronson picked up the ball. But what's funny
4: about it is when it happened, they paused. Because they were like, oh, they're going to call a foul. I just tackled this guy. And then when it didn't happen, it was almost like the chaos of no foul call happening led to the open shot. It was nuts, the sequence that went down. It was,
3: and, it was as egregious as... Rams versus Saints, no PI call. It was just. You, you remember that one that changed the way we looked at PIs and they had the year where they did uh, 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 reviews off pass, interferences, uh, pass interference calls because of the call that was not made in that situation? It was that egregious. It was embarrassing.
4: It is another example, though. NBA referees have, it's getting worse. It's getting much worse. This year, we have seen so many blown calls or no calls. And then they're throwing texts at people when they get upset about it. The NBA has a refereeing problem, and we need to start talking about it more. I am tired of every single... If we have at least one game a week where the referees became, become a major talking point from the games. They have got to get it under control. I don't have the answers of how to fix it. All I know is that... These refs have got to stop throwing texts around like they're candy. I'm getting way i I'm getting tired of it. Stop giving people technicals because they're complaining about a call that you probably got wrong. I understand it's a really hard job and it's bang bang and we get to see things in slow motion. I understand all of that. But when somebody gets tackled in front of you, <laughs> blow the damn whistle. Yes. Blow the damn it, it, whistle. What, and then don't what, tell us afterwards that it, it was mean? wrong and you're like, Oh, sorry. Oh, can't change the outcome. Can't of the game. change it. What does that do for anybody? What does Nothing. the full report do for anybody except piss people off?
3: Yes, it's strange. I don't really get the pool report at this point because you're – even when, like, when people contest games and go after and, like, file a report with the NBA, nothing changes anyway. So, like, it's just – it's – at some point, it's just old and –
2: put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
3: And dumb. It's not going to change At some point, anything. it's
4: just a paper trail of all their mistakes. Yes. And it's like, are there, this same mistake paper trail. keeps popping up over and over and over again, why don't you do something to fix the mistake instead of just telling us afterwards and being like, sorry, we're going to fix it next time, and then you don't. Yep. I'm just I'm way over the refs this year. Every single game that I watch, they become a part of the game and they've got to take a step back. They've got to. Stop giving out texts. I'm yeah. tired of it.
3: Yeah, and they, it's just like they they have these fragile egos, some of them. It's They're, crazy. It's, it's wild. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Now uh we had to talk some Tigers basketball. And we're gonna go ahead and grab a break. And then, you know, we need to discuss sort of Penny Hardaway's radio show. Seemed like a more positive vibe. I thought Penny did a good job of you know, talking about what has been said about him and his team this year and taking some onus for it. We'll talk about that. And also, Mississippi Valley State, there was a court storming last night that I, the, the audio is too good to play. And with court storming and the, and the mind and the, and the breadth of conversation around the country right now, I think we need to revisit that coming up next right here on The Gabe Coon Show, 929 FM ESPN.
0: Guests appear on the Smile Center hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN.
3: Back in on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Now, while court storming is in the collective minds of everybody after what happened to Kyle Filipowski... Over the weekend at Wake Forest, where they said he had a sprained ankle, but he iced his knee, but now he's just sore. We'll get to that in a second. Mississippi Valley State was 0-27 heading into last night's game. They hadn't had a single win in the SWAC conference, which they've been trying to get to all year. But last night, they beat Prairie View A&M, 57-51. And if you are wondering about court storming and, uh, you know, The pageantry of it and what we've seen always in college basketball. This right here, this call, this tells me I don't want it to go anywhere. Play the call, Connor.
1: And Andre, that's game! And that will be game! Senior night. And 16, 5 and 10, the swag. The Mississippi fan of Delta Devil will improve some 1 and 27. What a senior night. 1 and 14, the swag. Let's go. The win led by no, no one other than Rayquan Brown. Rayquan, Rayquan Brown. Brown. Why, thank you, my guy. Host of Delta Devil and Double Feature tonight, and everyone just contributed to this win. And Big shout-out, A.D. Hakeem McClellan. Big shout-out, Kyle, Rabbit Play Production. Big <laughs> shout-out to B-Cole. Shout-out to J.R. behind the camera. Shout out to, to Andre Williams, my partner, my business partner. Big shout out to Bangle man. Big shout out to Coach Ivory. Big shout out to the Swag. Big shout out, MVSUB Club.
3: Shout out, Coach Ivory. One game win streak. Mississippi Valley State, how about it? Now this this kind of in a, encapsulates why court stormings happen, right? A team that's not used to winning or getting a big win on their home floor, finally getting it, and they go out there and they have a good time. Now Mississippi Valley State, I will say, you know, when we talk about the the thing that happened to Kyle Filipowski, uh, probably a lot less chance of somebody getting hurt at Mississippi Valley State because no one's in the stands. There was about twenty five people that ended up storming the court, and I understand why it's a little bit different. But I can't. Don't take this away from me. Don't take. Away The courts. I mean, don't take away the pageantry, the fun that comes with it, man. These are teams that don't win a whole lot of games or win big games in the in the case of Wake Forest uh, on their home floor against a team like Duke, and they want to have a little bit of fun. You don't have to take it away, um, just uh, as a as a broad statement, as a blanket statement. Uh, And I will say, you know, with with this conversation, I think it's one of the biggest non-conversations that we have talked about the entire week, and it's been everywhere. Uh, It's been on the national scale. You see it on ESPN. You see it on Fox Sports. You see it on FS1. You see it everywhere. We've talked about it. Every show has talked about it at this point. Um, And and really what it comes down to, the people that do not want to say ban it altogether. I will always stand by this. And I put this out on my my social media yesterday at G underscore Kuhn 71 if you want to go check it out. I think it's overly ambitious to think that you can ban all court stormings, right? When we talk about fans and we talk about students, when they have a good time, when they want to go rush the court, you're not going to be able to hold them back. There's not enough security in the world to hold back 500 to 1,000 students from getting on to the court. Now, I've heard some people suggest, oh, well, make them forfeit. They won't do it again. So you're saying the players on the floor that just won a big game will have to forfeit because their fans decide to do something out of the norm? Why the hell would that be the case? That seems absolutely diabolical. That seems very stupid in the grand scheme of things. And I'm not saying that it's not a, a, in in a lot of situations, that it's not a a safety hazard or a safety issue. There is a safety issue. Kyle Filipowski, of course, got run into at Wake Forest. Now, it's kind of interesting. It went from sprained ankle to icing his knee to, oh, he's just sore and he's going to be able to play the next game out. That's beside the point. But I still think that there are common sense answers to making court storming a lot better. And that starts with getting every single player from the opposing team off the floor immediately. Uh, You know when it's going to happen. You can have a little foresight on this thing. It's not that complicated in the grand scheme.
4: Yeah, there's no reason to ban it altogether. You just need some more regulations on it, make it a little bit safer, but... It is part of the pageantry of college sports. And, you know, last night, it wasn't necessarily a, a court storming, more of a court sprinkle. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, hey, yeah. It, was, it was really fun to watch. There was only about 20 people on the actual court. Um, I think my favorite part from the entire clip, though, is – the opposing team takes a half court shot yes. with like a second left. It's, it's like, fifty-seven, what? fifty-one. Yeah, yeah I, I wonder just get what get to the rim. And I put wonder it up. what the line Had was. Maybe. Yeah, it was just. It was very funny to see him take a heave like that. But no, it was. It was a really fun clip, and that's the reason you still want court storming around. It just needs some regulations, make it a little bit more safer. And to your point, really, the only thing you have to do is just make sure the opposing team is off the court.
3: And here's here's what's always bothered me about the banning conversation. It's not allowed now. It's not allowed. (laughs) That's also true. Like, they get fined, you know, schools, institutions get, get fined for it because they don't want it to perpetuate but they know that it's going to be hard to hold back 500 1000 students from running onto the court. Now, the older folks in the crowd are not the ones that are on the court doing it. It's the students if you want to lift them up and put them closer to the top of the stadium, sure, do that. But again, I think that takes away from the pageantry. Do you think you're going to be able to tell the Cameron crazies and by the way, they don't really storm the court because they're used to winning, but do you think you're going to be able to tell fan bases like that to students to move up in the stadium so they don't it's not as easily accessible. No, that's not going to work in that type of manner. So, in the end of the day, I've heard all these conversations about banning altogether court storming. That's never going to happen, and it's not a realistic option. So, what, what I have, and we talked about this yesterday, what I have sort of got down to is just find ways to make it safer. It's that simple. Use common sense about this.
4: Thing. Well, because to your one of the points that you made, it's never really a surprise when it happens. You know the games that have potential for a court storming up your security, I mean, make Arsenal sure you I mean, Marshall had the storm
3: chasers for a while. They, they were right. showing up at places where court storming was very possible. You know when it's going to happen, when the potential is there. So think ahead. Think ahead. Understand what's going to happen beforehand if it is an upset, and get the guys off the floor. Filter them off the court. Let them have a little bit of fun. Let the home uh, team have a little bit of fun. Let the home fans and students have a little bit of fun. It is so – it is – it has become this overarching conversation about banning them, when that's
4: not a realistic
3: proposition. Connor, I c- will continue to say that.
4: I just I can't get over Jay Billis being like, "We must detain them." <laughs> and it's like, what are yeah, we talking detain about? Detain all five hundred of the crazy. people on the floor? That's a wild. Give them call. all a charge. We got you. Yeah, it's yeah. like they get on the court. And it's a trap. Yeah,
3: like, and then no. Jay Billis, where did he go to college?
4: Oh, right. oh, are you asking me? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a hypothetical. Yeah, he went to Duke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I
3: yeah. mean,
4: it's just there just comes a point Jeffrey where – Jeffrey did a great takedown of yes, that whole exactly. situation. It's
3: just – it's goofy. And then with the Kyle Filipowski situation, it is kind of funny to see. You're holding your ankle. You had an ankle injury, and then you're icing your knee. Have you seen the good. photo? So what is
4: it? Have you seen the photo? No, I of have Of him not. coming off the court?
3: Oh, yeah. Oh it's, oh, it's an all-timer, actually. I have seen it. Dude. Yeah. He's getting lifted off the, off the floor, helped on both sides by his teammates. A little much. A little much. Embellishment. And I also thought earlier in the year, and this is, uh, listen, I'm not going after these players. I think they should be in better situations. They should not be this close to all of these opposing fans right? where they can get all up in their face and these fans can take liberties of talking trash to them. Like, I get all that. But early in the year, like the Caitlin Clark thing where she clearly saw the person running onto the floor out of the side of her eye and she hit the person, and then flipped around and fell on the ground, sort of flopped in a way. I think these players, you know, after the games, they feel a certain type of way. They're mad they have lost, and they're, maybe it's a little bit of a deflection. Maybe that's what it is. But the Kyle Filipowski thing going from ankle to knee to, oh, I'm just sore, there was nothing really injury-wise that happened to him. That doesn't mean that something can't happen. But, again, it goes back to my point. Make it safer. Don't ban it altogether.
4: Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like physical contact between a fan and a player should absolutely never happen. 100%. But it is, uh, we are allowed to make fun of them acting like his leg got shot off <laughs> yes, it, though, exactly. which was, 100%. which is just the most Duke thing ever.
3: <laughs> yes, yes. I don't think uh, Kyle Filipowski made a whole lot of fans after all this thing is, uh, is shaken out the way it has. But we'll see how it all ages. Um, now to Penny had his uh, radio show yesterday, and I guess we'll start with this. I think he's sort of putting the full-court press on his team, the fan base, to try to understand that they're they're bought in. They're latching on to each other. They seem to love each other at this point. Um, the only player that was uh, part of the radio show, that was on the radio show yesterday, was Nick Jourdain, um, and he has a couple of comments that we'll get to in a second. But Naquan Tomlin, Javon Quinterly walked in, got an applause from all the fans, and then you had David Jones – Jalen Young, Caleb Mills, Jaden Hardaway, Noah Stansberry there. So you had, I mean, seven guys all show up for a radio show that they were not actually going to be on that night. This is, to me, very clear. Penny's trying to do everything he can to try to uh, show the fan base, show his team that they need to latch on to each other, be closer to each other if they want to accomplish any set of goals that they set out to accomplish before the year.
4: Yeah, it was. You know, it's exactly what you were hoping to see. It was. I think it's a great sign. It's showing that at least some of the drama has subsided a bit within the Memphis Tigers. It is also one of those the 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 golden rule that healing solves a lot of things. Yeah. Or, or winning. Winning solves a lot. Heals a lot. Heals of things. a lot. Of <laughs> things. Yeah, I got yeah. it. Got it. That time. So I think that you're kind of seeing that come to fruition a little bit with this Memphis Tigers team. The biggest thing, though, is they've just got to stay focused on the court and play together. And if they continue to do that and bring the effort that they did against FAU and Charlotte, we said it over and over again, the talent that this team has, they are very difficult to beat when they are playing together, especially on the defensive end. And when Penny shortens that rotation and he deploys guys who know what their role is to give them some minutes of rest, that's the best way that this team operates.
3: Yes, and I think you know shorting the, shortening the rotation has gone hand-in-hand with the way they've played defense the past two games. Can we admit that much? I think, you know, seeing guys, the the whole starting lineup against Florida Atlantic play 30-plus minutes, Jane Hardaway's the only bench player with over 10 minutes, they're playing half-court defense. They're not overextending the defense. They're not sprinting all over the floor and having to recover constantly. They're exerting more on the offensive end, but on the defensive end, when they're sitting back, when they're controlled, when they understand what's right in front of them, they're, making, they're, they're getting more knockaways, they're getting more turnovers, they're getting, uh, turning defense into offense. I think that the way they have played, the adjustments Penny Hardaway has made on the defensive end has facilitated him having a shorter rotation not having to play as many guys. And it's very, it's very obvious to me. These guys are playing with a lot more energy out there because they're not expending as much on the defensive
4: end. I just think that he's setting them up for success a little bit more. And another thing that you notice with them playing more half-court defense and sitting back is that they aren't having to overhelp and they aren't getting beat as much on cuts, so the fouls are going down. Like Naquan yep. Tomlin's fouls the last few games hasn't been up, so he's been able to stay on the floor more because he's not overhelping and trying to get that late little swipe right before they go to the rim, and that's where he's been getting a lot of his fouls.
3: And I think on the offense and what we've seen is this team's a lot more controlled and connected because they have more offensive sets. Javon Quinterly's not trying to guess where people are going to go back door or where people are going to be on the floor. He knows where they're going to be and when they're going to be there. There's a rhythm. So turnovers, there's no surprise that he had six assists, zero turnovers against a Florida Atlantic team who can cause turnovers and can get out and run. They didn't allow them to do that because they were more set up and comfortable on the offensive end. I don't think there's any surprises behind – the adjustments you've seen from Penny Hardaway and how that has translated to the floor in wins. Um, but he did say on the Tigers' chemistry this week has shown that the guys are more unified, especially by them being out here tonight, talking about the seven guys that ended up showing alongside of Nick Jourdain. Now, here's, here's one of the interesting comments he made last night, and it's an escape from where he was during the four-game losing streak, during the three-game losing streak, during the span of six losses and nine tries. He talked about fan criticism after the, the losses, and he said, quote, to be realistic, losing four games in a row, it's devastating. With this group, it's unacceptable. Then we go to Texas and take two steps back, so the scrutiny, it was warranted. And that's the end of his quote. That is a complete escape from what he's been talking about.
0: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward.
3: about, right? That's a, that's a complete escape from, you know, these guys are just kids, you can't hold them to account, hold them to the fire as much as you have. Some of the things I've been reading, he talked about it, some of the things I've been reading and, and hearing discussed are laughable. This is an escape. It felt like a, a intrusive look. He's saying, you know, after a couple of wins, granted, after a couple of pretty nice wins, he's finally saying, you know, all of the things that have been said about this program, that have been said about the team chemistry, that have been said about the on-court play, And the losses, they're fair. Now, again, I think in the midst of a losing streak, he would probably not have this tone, as we have seen multiple times this year. But now that they're on the winning side of things, it it seems like he is a lot more apt to admit that.
4: Yeah, it was nice to hear, but I do think that the winning streak probably has something to do with the, the change of tune. But at the end of the day... I always thought the criticisms mostly most of the criticisms were were warranted and measured it was we were talking about the defense we were talking about the rotations which have been a huge issue for the Memphis Tigers this season and have been, you know, the rotations at least have been issues with Penny the last few years. And a lot of the locker room drama and stuff like that didn't come from media. It didn't come from the fans. It came straight from the mouths of the Memphis Tigers and Penny Hardaway. So that's how those narratives began was they were talking about it in post game pressers at the radio show. And we were like, oh, okay. They have some locker room issues. And then following those quotes coming out, they had this, you know, six games and six losses in 10 games stretch. So, it made sense to talk about it, but credit is – give them credit. They have turned it around a little bit. They hope they have allowed to live. They are playing together. They are playing the much better defense, and they are playing with a lot of effort. And if those things continue, maybe, maybe I, yeah, they can make some noise it, in the tournament. they got by the talent. By no
3: means am I projecting that they can win the tournament. By no means am I projecting that they will win the tournament is probably how I should have stated that. But in the end of the day, when we look at the talent of this team – when we look at their the peak of their abilities, it's hard to count them out right. of even four games in four days. I know that the consistency hasn't quite been there all year, but I am of the opinion that these, these switches, these adjustments that Penny Hardaway has made – I think you'll see more consistency from this team because of playing half-court defense, because of installing some offensive sets. It just lends itself to better basketball, and that's what we've seen the past two times out. And that's all we really wanted to see after you know the SMU and, and North Texas debacle. It was just get back to playing better basketball. Um, I know they still want to make the tournament. I know everybody in the city fans still want to see them make the tournament. It's still going to be an uphill climb. But at least this team is sort of righting some of the wrongs that they had through that nasty stretch of basketball they played, uh, you know, the past couple of months.
4: Absolutely. It's just you can see it all in the effort. If that effort continues, they're going to have a puncher's chance. Yes. Because with that, like, at any given moment, David Jones is probably the best player on the court. He's probably the best player on the
3: Speaking court. Speaking of which, been named to the uh, the Oscar Robertson Trophy. He's Good one for of him. the top 40 on the America's watch list, All-America watch list. So there is that for for David Jones, and he's also was on the Naismith list for the Final 30, so that's good for him. Um, But, yes, what you're saying, they have more talent than just about everybody in this conference. If they play within themselves, find a a, a comfort with the schemes they're running every single night, I think that anything is just about on the table for them. But it's still going to require some consistency and some – some intensity as you get into Dickey's Arena, as you go to North or go go into uh, Texas for the American Athletic Conference tournament. Absolutely, yeah. Now, um, I, I am still sort of wondering uh, how Malcolm Dandridge and all these this whole situation with the academic uh, misconduct. I guess that's how we'll term it. I wonder how this is affecting the team, um, but I, I I sort of uh, based on the way they played against Florida Atlantic, have a little bit of hope. That with all of the noise, with all the noise that Penny Hardaway has seen in the past, uh, the distractions that they've had off the floor, I'm pretty hopeful after watching that Florida-Atlantic game that that is all sort of subsided and they can sort of continue to move in, in in a positive quality direction the rest of the year. And I'd imagine that uh, most of the people behind the scenes want this investigation that is centered around Malcolm Dandridge to go out and extend uh, for the rest of the year because you don't know uh, on the back end as much as they have have investigated. You you hear some rumors about it. You don't know who else could be involved with it, if there's a scheme there. So hopefully – they can sort of compartmentalize that and move past that. And, and I think the Florida Atlantic game and some things we've seen in the past with Penny Hardaway managing some of these distractions, I think those can go as, as a little bit of, uh, uh, of an example as to where these teams have, have thrived and moved forward in the past, even with those things going on.
4: It's, you know, I think the blueprint for how to move forward without Malcolm Dandridge on the basketball court, you did against FAU. I know that their big man, eight, he was, I think, nine for nine from the field. But you're able to crash the glass as a team. And that's just going to be what you have to do moving forward. You're not going to be facing up against these teams that are massive, heading head, like coming up. Eastern Carolina. Vlad Golden's
3: the best big in the conference.
4: Right. And like Eastern Carolina, they don't have a ton of size. They got a couple guys that are 6'10, 6'11, but no seven footers. And I think Naquan Tomlin and, and you know, Nick, Nick Jordan, you hope that they can handle that type of size, David Jones. It's just going to be another one of those games. Crash the glass constantly, and honestly, playing that half-court defense is going to help them on yes. the boards. You've seen that the last two games. They've been rebounding much better as a team because they're there. They're not trying to run out. They're not trying to do these fast breaks. They're not overextending. They're all around the glass. They understand the assignment. It's it's really just going to come down to effort. I hate to sound like a broken drum here, but... Over and over again, a lot of the issues with the Memphis Tigers this season have come down to the players got to show a consistent effort. And if they do that out in the basketball court, they should be able to get past this Malcolm Dangers thing on the court. Now, off the court is where it gets, yeah. you get worried about it a little bit more. You but hope they've that managed those
3: things in the past.
4: They have managed those things in the past. And that's why you hope, you just hope, and. I don't have any information on it or insider information, but you hope that it stays with Malcolm Dandridge and doesn't bleed out to any of the other other players. Because that could make us ask a lot of questions about the
3: Hardaway era
4: and and where this is headed. That changes the conversation. If the
3: NCAA ever gets involved with it, that changes the conversation altogether. Now, one bit of hope that I have taken from the Florida-Atlantic game is they won that game by four, crashing the boards on the offensive end, getting second-chance opportunities, uh, creating turnovers, turning defense into offense. They didn't shoot the ball well at all. The Tigers? They shot under their average consistently. Yeah. They were 43.7% from the field, and they were 18% from 3-5 for 27. Now, we've seen some tough games from the three-point line, but that is pretty bad. That is very, very bad, 18%. Uh, going into uh, the, the last three games of the year, I'd imagine they will boost those numbers up to go along with some of the efforts they're giving on the defensive end and on the glass.
4: Absolutely, but as long as they're defending the three-point line like they have the past yes. two games, as long if they're shooting terribly, just make sure... The other team shoots has and, and how games. much? <laughs>
3: That's how, been much their strat. how much of this season and the struggles of closing out on the three-point line has just strictly been not playing half-court defense and overextending the defense constantly? That's where I think just about ninety-five percent of these open looks have come from. You're just overextended and confused and not communicating.
4: Well, it's also a rhythm thing. It's yeah. playing consistent mid-ins. It absolutely helps you on the offensive end just because you figure out where everybody's going to be on the spot. You hit cuts faster. You're just able to kind of predict where your teammates are going to go. But on the defensive end, you create a dialogue with the guys that are out there. You can get shorthand. You can call out things. It's just there's a rhythm on the defensive end that the Tigers, you've seen them kind of start and stop, start and stop, start and stop all season. And Penny, the last few games, he just said, screw it. We're going to play half-court defense. We're going to get you all set. You know who you're defending. It's going to be that every single time down the court. Make sure the three-point line is defended and crash the glass. That has been the game plan on the defensive end for the Tigers, and it is working. So just stick to that. Just stick to it.
3: Yep, 100%. 100%. Now you're going to get a chance for one more home game. At uh, at FedEx Forum before the year is over, and uh, I need to point you in the direction of a of a great spirit of a of a great bar that you can go take advantage of at FedEx <laughs> Forum, and that would be Old well Dominic. Done. Old Dominic. Now I know how tempting it is when you show up to the liquor store to just go buy that national brand you've been buying for years. You've been reaching for it. It's hard to break that habit, but regardless. Did you know whatever that bottle contains, whether it be gin, vodka, toddy, whiskey, bourbon, we have a local distillery that does it better. That's Old Dominic Distillery. It's the most fresh, most full spirit you can buy in the city. And the distillery is right here, right on the riverfront. 305 South Front Street is where you can find it. They have events all the time. They want you to join for a tour and tasting. Check that out at olddominic.com. But they have two separate bar locations in FedEx Forum for that UAB game. So make sure you get down and enjoy a cocktail uh, brought to you by Old Dominic. Make sure that you get an Old Dominic um, spirit, and whatever cocktail that you pour out because you're absolutely going to love it. To check out all their products, book that Torn Tasting. Again, it's olddominic.com but Old Dominic Distillery, they want me to tell you to come by and to say hi. Now, we need to go ahead and grab a break. On the other side, as we do every single day, Jeff Calkins will join the show right here on The Gabe Kuhn Show, two nine FM ESPN.